It was October 2016. I was trying to survive the daily challenges of life with a 5'3 and breastfeeding one-year-old, but in a foreign city on the other side of the world, whilst also trying to engage my mind and heart in learning about God's mission through the local church and evangelism, discipleship, social justice ministries, and trying to just keep hanging in there and trying to figure out how to be the Christian, the pastor's wife, the mum that I should be. I didn't stop to think how long I'd been just hanging in there. And I didn't realise how much physical, spiritual and emotional energy I was pouring into fulfilling expectations or perceived expectations from others or even myself. I was trying really hard to be good enough and I was so freaking tired. Then, in a little apartment in New York City, amongst a small group of other women, mostly in the same boat as me, I encountered Jesus. You know my name is Beck. I'm a child of God. I'm married to Shabu. I have three beautiful kids. I grew up in a conservative Christian family. I asked Jesus to come in my heart around age 7 to 10. I was baptised around age 13. So I've been a Christian a long time. I should know this, right? <laughs> uh, I developed my knowledge of God, the Bible, the message of Jesus from Sunday school, teenage Bible studies, Christian camps, university clubs, church small groups, books, sermons, and my own Bible reading. <coughs> After all of that, I had a moment about five and a half years ago at a Christian seminar on missional living, realising that I didn't really understand the gospel like I thought I did. That began a journey with lots of other parts that you can ask me about later. But the family trip to New York was definitely clearly directed by God. Shabu was attending class every day in a four-week intensive, and I was participating in that as much as I could manage. Part of the intensive was for all the wives to attend a weekend of training, and it was there that I was given the opportunity to really let it all out. But that what, what fed my deepest need the need of my heart was actually knowing the verdict in God's courtroom. So picture it, the official courtroom. The presiding judge is God himself. The accused, that's me. The accusation, failure. Failure to love and obey God wholeheartedly. <coughs> failure to love and respect you and serve my husband selflessly. Failure to constantly love and shepherd our kids, to reach out to others, and this goes on. The prosecution team is loaded with irrefutable evidence. The defense team, Zippo, it's just me standing alone. The judge is about to read the verdict. Someone walks in the courtroom, interrupting the proceedings, has a quiet word with the judge, and promptly sits in my seat. It's Jesus. The verdict is read with the expected conclusion of guilt, but it's not my name read out with the guilty verdict, it's Jesus. I, on the other hand, am declared not guilty. And now, after this trade of places, I walk free. Anyone who's watched enough law shows on TV <laughs> knows that when the judge bangs the gavel at the end, it's final. The deliberating is over and the decision has been made. With this courtroom analogy of the gospel in my mind, this tired Christian wife and mum who was feeling overworked and undervalued because of a driving need to get it right and to feel loved and accepted, was now seeing some well-known scriptures with different eyes. Here's some examples. Romans 3. 
But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For I am sure that nothing else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The verdict in God's courtroom will never be changed. No amount of failure, no amount of condemnation from others, myself, or maybe the devil, will ever change the fact that I am accepted, I am forgiven, I am declared righteous, and welcomed as God's precious child simply because I trust in what Jesus did for me. I walked away from that weekend with retreat with a huge sense of relief. If the final verdict of not guilty has already been declared on me in God's courtroom, then even though I dropped the ball at home, church, and relationships, and I walked with God, I was not condemned. Jesus was condemned for me. And I didn't need to be so driven by other people's opinion of me because the conclusions of the lowly courtroom of human judgment do not define me. The verdict is already in on me in the highest court and it will never change. It doesn't mean I'm excused, of course, from doing what God desires because a generous and gracious gift like what Jesus has given me naturally calls for change in my life. But it does mean that I'm free to stop trying so hard to be inhumanly perfect. It means I can face conflict in relationships with an inner steadfastness. It means I can move on from my mistakes, sin and failures by confessing and receiving God's forgiveness, asking the Holy Spirit to change me. It means I'm free to be honest. It means I can have joy. It means I can rest. I have nothing to earn. Nothing to prove. The verdict is already in. And Jesus has already dealt with it all. I'd like to say that I experience this freedom constantly, but the truth is I'm prone to forget. Like a seed. These truths often drain out far too easily. But actually, as writing this story out and, and all the verses as well, has reminded me all over again. The truth is that the verdict is in and it's final. I forgot to use my prop. <laughs> <laughs> this is my prop. I gabbled. <laughs>